Welcome everyone to Learning with Bell Vista Studios. This is an opportunity for us to connect with people that we respect and admire in the industry and be curious about projects they're working on. And I'm really excited today because my guest, Natalie, we met because you came, you were a participant in our human-centered design cohort. So we mm -hmm. knew nothing about each other until one day we opened Zoom and hey presto. And um the one thing I just want to start with is I want to recognize you, first of all, because you really embraced human centered design. You were an established instructional designer. You had your own process. It was going well, but you stepped up and said, I'm going to try this for myself. And I remember through the cohort, you were like, you had your ways of doing things, but you were like, just really unlearning your own process and kind of ripping it apart and going, this thing that I do already is awesome, then this part of human-centered design can make it better, or this was a gap in my process and I'm gonna now adapt it. And I just like, it's, I think it can be really hard to change your ways because they were working for you. You were already successful as an instructional designer, but you wanted to step up and adapt. And I think that's really awesome that you did that and you have reaped the benefit. So like, I just want to recognize you for unlearning to, your own stuff and being open to changing your ways and you've just like gone next level which is cool um so i'm going to really quickly summarize a bit of your journey and then we'll get into the discussion but i feel like like i was looking at the notes from the cohort and all the things we discussed and the challenges you were facing back then and what we were working through and then just the results that you've kind of shared and the wins of your journey so far is just really inspiring and I think it's a great case study for people to just listen to and see what is possible for them so quickly I will summarize so you came I remember I'm not going to talk about the project just yet but I remember one day the first one you held up the manual it was like gigantic and we were like oh god like yep so she's got one of those clients that's like let's turn this manual into training but then through the human centered design process, which we'll get into, you kind of like sat over to the side, which is cool. Yeah, well, you had about five courses to begin with. I think that's what you're engaged to do. Yeah. And then so the journey and wins that I'm aware of through you doing your thing, working with your client, embracing the human centered design process, you actually went from five courses to five more. So that's like 10 courses total. Um, I remember your feedback from your stakeholders was really good. So you had these SMEs, but they were like, oh yeah, like they really got into like, we want to solve this problem right and we want to do it right. And I think that came from the workshops and stuff that you were running. Um, your training, I think it was a bit clunky and not happening consistently with the organization you were working with, but you started to get wins in terms of they became more efficient with training their learners. Um, a news organization has picked you up and wants to report on basically this. So you're doing it in one state, but they're like, oh my God, this is amazing. So they're gonna kind of cover you. That's incredible. Um, what else? You have started a podcast as well based on like the particular, cause you're kind of trying to niche yourself into this particular training solution area. And so you started a podcast on that. And I think that's really incredible because it makes you more empathetic to the clients and the learners that you're going to serve. 
um, which is awesome because you can just do better for them because you're really embodying what it is that goes on the challenges of the industry, the challenges of the people that have to actually do the training. And also you're going to carve that niche as a, you're like this authority in the space, which is sounds like you're kind of developing that authority and credibility to then go from one state in the U S to potentially other states using you as like the role model for how this training should be done. So it's like, holy shizzle, which is amazing. And I think some of the things that I look back at from like your learner journey was around and why I think you're getting these wins, which we'll dig into deeper because you'll probably be able to share more of why you're having such success um, is the mindset. Like, and I think this summarizes a lot of the videos that we talk about at Bell Vista Studios is like, be curious. You don't have to have all the answers. You just need to extract the information and be an expert in a process, but not the subject. So that's one thing. Um, we focused on getting the need to know, not the nice to know. And I think that was a really, like when we saw that manual and you were like, look how big it is. And it was like so heavy and stuff. And like, I know that your training moved very far away from that. So that's really cool. Um, and also going from like actions to decisions as opposed to information-based courses. And I remember one of the sessions we did a role play, like that brainstorming one. And I can't remember what it was, but you and the cohort were trying to keep me alive when I was like trying to bash down a door to, I don't know if I was like a SWAT team or something, you're trying to train me in actions and behaviors. And I think I died a bit, but <laughs> um, so we did the brainstorming. Then what else? We did success statements and learning objectives. And I think there was one point where you said like uh, you were feeling overwhelmed, but those the success statement and your learning objectives really held you accountable to go, no, this is what I'm focusing on now. It's not all the other things out there. It's just this. Um, and that through some of the human centered design activities and workshops that you ran, you were able to identify with your stakeholders or kind of get them to identify the true issues. And that's what made you move away from information heavy to solutions that are actually training and making the impact that this particular initiative deserves. So that's my high level summary of your life as I know it. Um, <laughs> but okay, over to you. So what was the business problem you were engaged to help your client with? What's the problem you're trying to solve? Um, so um, the problem was that, or it is in the United States currently still, that the, the, the United States has a huge backlog of sexual assault evidence kits. And um, that was also the problem for my client, which was the state of Montana or is the state of Montana. Um, but a couple of years ago, they um, threw a grant uh, a United States grant, they were able to solve that backlog. Uh, and they actually did it through human-centered design and they didn't even know it. I mean, they really, they, they actually went in and asked what the problem was and then, you know, how they could solve it. And they interviewed all the uh, police officers and everybody who was responsible for sexual assault evidence kits to get backlogged. They were kind of, they were just talking to all of them, figuring out what the problem was and they figured it out. And and then they put it. Um, they put. They then they uh, put in the changes, and that's exactly what they did. And this is exactly what we're doing with the courses. But they are 
the people that I'm working with there are really brilliant already. And they, I don't think they even are aware of how brilliant they are because they use human-centered design for all of this. Especially the expert that I'm working with is, um, he's a trainer. Uh, he used to work in law enforcement for a very long time. And he had no idea about human-centered design and he didn't have any education in that field at all or in instructional design or anything. And um, he, he really, he, he used human-centered design to really figure out with every law enforcement officer, what's the problem? What can we do better to train you better? Because that was one of the issues of the backlog kits, right? Because people were just not trained well enough uh, in avoiding that and in interviewing survivors. And so he went in and he questioned all the law enforcement officers to figure out what was the actual issue. And, um, and then they solved it. And then I came in after that to develop online training as well, because they have a very effective in-person training. And um, the online training that I'm creating is just an addition to that. So I'm not the answer to everything, but I'm definitely developing this online training especially with the human-centered design that I'm creating really effectively. So it's, it's been really good. What do you think, how would your process have differed for this solution if you hadn't have done a human-centered approach personally versus doing it? What would it have looked like? What activities would you have done? Where might the solution be right now? Yeah. Um, well, one of the things I'm very thankful for with the HCD is that my process is cleaner now, I would say, because especially in the prototyping, um, because you're doing all the work beforehand. And before I um, took your course with Bell Vista Studios, I was, um, kind of all over the place. I mean, I had it down and I, I think I was also using, I was using human-centered design, and, um, but un, un, uh, unknowns, unbeknownst to me really. And, um, and with the human-centered design that you taught me the process, I'm having a much, much cleaner process of it now. I start, I know where to start every time I know where to start and I know which questions to ask. And that leads me to um, building prototypes that are almost, almost perfect already. So when they go back to the client, my client is like, yes, this is great. This is how we want to do it. And there's only small changes. Um, in the past, I've had total overhauls before where we would go into a process and it was almost right, but then the prototype just didn't really match. And so with this project now, I am I'm almost always nailing the prototype at the first try. And we just have little changes of sentences here, sentence structure or whatever, you know. So that is really helpful and it makes a better impression on the client too, right? I mean, because they don't, they, they do see me interviewing everybody and they are aware of all of this and the discovery phase and the interviewing phase and everything. But um, when I come back with a prototype, they're impressed. And that's, that really reflects, <laughs> you know, that makes me look very good. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. When you, so when you say prototype, what are the prototypes that you're sending to a client? What do they look like? Uh, my first prototype is always just a script. Um, so I have ideas and I write the script out and then there are sections of the, of the course, which is the script is kind of the course. And then there will be sections of the course that I say, you know, this would actually be great as an infographic instead of putting it into the course, 
So we might mention it in the course, but we actually make it more into an infographic. Um, but this is really how it is. I, I first just write a script and then they read over it and we agree on it. And, um, and then I start building the course and make it visual. Yeah. And that's literally a Word document. So you're kind of just it's getting- literally a Word document. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, because everybody has Word. And so I'm, I'm done, you know, you don't have to make it super complicated, you know. And you yeah. don't want to, in my, in my experience, you don't want to overwhelm the client immediately with graphics either. You kind of just want to get, you do want to nail the script, in my opinion, because that's really what your delivery is going to be. Yeah. Well, not really. I mean, the delivery is going to be imagery. <laughs> if you don't nail a script, then the images don't make sense either, right? I mean, you have to kind of nail it both. Yeah, and they build on each other. But I think we're the same. We focus on the content. Don't get excited about the look and feel or the graphics because we need to get the, the behaviors, the actions, like the content right first. So we do separate that process as well. Um, so in the past, have you gone from like, multiple reviews it sounds like down to like maybe just two or something yes absolutely and even um in the beginning when i first started with you guys i mean that's exactly when i was building the first five courses and um the process was already pretty good because they my client i was i was extremely lucky or i am extremely lucky because we're still working with each other um but my client they were they were already amazing like i said they already they didn't know it, but they were already using human center design. So they really took a lot of work off of my shoulders. Yeah. But um, those five courses, they were a little bit more unorganized, I would say. Yeah. And then um, now we're building five more courses. So all in total, we're building 15 courses now. And, um, and yeah, the process has become much smoother. But I think it's also kind of like a for me, in, in the beginning, I always thought this was just a birthing process, kind of like, right? When you mm. first start out with a client, you kind of have to grow with each other. But um, I think I, would, I haven't started with a new client yet, but I'm, I'm really excited to be able to start the human-centered design right away with somebody mm. and just see the difference in how this melts together and how, how, how smoothly it might work right from the get-go. Yeah. So what would, if you get a new client that you haven't worked with before and they are not really, they've never done human-centered design, what would your first couple of steps be? So they're like, we need a project, we need training on X, we want you to help us, now what? Yeah, I, definitely the discovery phase. I mean, I would definitely try to figure out what the problem actually is. Like, why do you need the training in the first place? Um, what are you doing right now that is working and what is not working? Um, and then we can build on that. But that's exactly how, how I would do it. Yeah, um, that's cool. What, um, when you do your interviews, so what are you, who are the people you're targeting for the interviews and why do you choose those people? So it's always my um, subject matter experts. Um, and then they are usually choose the law enforcement officers that I talk to. Um, and they choose them because of their responsiveness to training, because they want to learn. But, and then they also always choose one of the, one of them is always somebody who's a little bit more problematic, who's a little bit, um, who doesn't learn as well as the others or a little bit differently. Um, so I have a couple of who are very visual learners and then 
this one guy who was actually not, and it was actually very interesting. Uh, yeah, and so so we kind of get together and brainstorm then. And yep. um, yeah, that's cool. I like that you're doing that. You got like kind of standard learner, and then throw something in there that's going to challenge. Yeah, and. Mm -hmm. It kind of helps you validate your solution, hey? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. The only thing that's been a little bit problematic so far with the uh, HCD is, of course, um, you can't actually be there with them and see them in the field when they are learning or when they're doing something. And I don't think that's ever going to happen within my mm -hmm. field because I wouldn't want to intrude on a sexual assault survivor and be there while they interview the sexual assault survivor. However, I have been able to join uh, a classroom um, through the Zoom, and, and that was really amazing. I was able to sit in for like two days straight and just view them as they were learning in class. This is the same kind of content that I'm teaching them now online, they were learning in class, and that was really, really worth it. It was wonderful to see. Yeah. How did you get into that training? Was it you that suggested it? No, it was uh, it was the training front. I would have suggested it, but I didn't even know that was an option for me um, because I'm not. I wasn't really sure how closed up this was going to be the classrooms. But my training partner, my subject matter expert, he actually suggested it. He was like, "Hey, do you want to sit in?" I was like, "Definitely!" And don't yeah. ever pass up on chances like this. If you ever get to sit in, don't ever pass up the chance. Just make the day, make it happen. And it was yeah. really, really cool. Yeah. What do you think it? What did it open your eyes to or what insights did you gain from that? Um, just the way, so law enforcement officers are a special breed. They are these, they are a really group and a tight-knit group of people who align themselves to with some values and um, who have also just a, a different culture. It's a culture, right? I mean, they live their lives and they live it very dangerously on the line and yep. um, they grow really thick together. And I could, I mean, I, I you know, it's, it's just a very interesting way of seeing it. I have, when I was still working for other companies, I never had that brothership or that sisterhood with other people that I was working with. I mean, I had great colleagues and we had great relationships, but nothing like you would see in a classroom with police officers. They just have a really different relationship with each other yeah. and they make fun of each other and they, you know, they push each other further too. Um, for example, there was, I think the most difficult part of that classroom was the survivor interview. So they had an actor come in and she played the survivor. And then one of the students had to get up and actually interview her in front of the class, which would have terrified me to be, to begin with. Um, but they, you know, they pushed each other to do it. And there was, you know, there, and there, of course there was some laughter about each other, you know, about messing up or being embarrassed about some things, but, um, it was everybody had to go through it anyways and so there was this it was it was really fantastic to see that wow and yeah. i guess that you would have been able to um create like role plays and scripts and scenarios from that hey like 
oh, they messed up there. So I can use that as like the bad, what not to do. And then when they did good things, like they, that's basically helping you create the scenarios. Is that what you exactly. did? Exactly. It was exactly that. Yeah, that's exactly. We were actually currently still working on it, but we um, are creating the survivor interview course right now. And um, that's exactly what we've been doing. We actually recorded, um, the, so the trainer actually recorded a perfect or, you know, as much as it can be perfect interview with a, an actor as a survivor. And so we played up on that and just off of that and just said, you know, this is a really, this is good because. So we would introduce the scenario and then um, play the clip. And then we would go in and say, why is this important? Why, why do you think, you know, the, why do you think he should react this way to the survivor and not that way? And, um, we also had other scenarios before where we played an entire interview and and let the um, officer actually really um, go in and identify what happened to the survivor. You know, was it um, sexual intercourse without consent? Was there consent present? You know, and really made them identify actually the legal aspects of it, which was really cool as well. And we did have um, testers. We had 16 testers who went through the courses and gave us yeah. feedback. It was really, really fantastic, yeah. I think those courses really are, they're a game changer for these, um, for these students and even for older officers. And that is, really, uh, that is really amazing to me because you know, older officers never had the chance to actually learn like these young people are now. They have so many chances to learn. And they, you know, through this whole, through this whole event of them figuring out the backlog, they figured out how to train their officers better and they're pushing this through now. And I really think in the long run, this is just benefiting everybody in the state, not only the police officers, but also, and most importantly, the survivor who are finally gonna get the treatment that they really truly deserve. Mm, definitely. What, um. When you had like your testers, what kind of feedback came through? Um, so in the beginning, we actually had some issues with the navigation. So just technical issues came a lot, came through a lot. That was really helpful because courses don't always work the same way. Um, you know, you test it and everything works flawlessly. And then suddenly somebody says, uh, you know, it froze or, whatever so that those things definitely were an issue but basically um it was it was mostly positive and yeah. I attribute that solely to the HCD I mean there were a few things that people were like well I wouldn't use this wording or that wording and that was just their experience but um the learning interactions and the learning content everybody was excited about and um, they said even just reviewing it they said I learned so much and I mean what a better compliment you know you're, you're already succeeding here oh my god yeah yeah we're excited about it <laughs> so freaking cool um what did the solution and like what are some of the because you were kind of engaged to do e-learning right they had face-to-face -face and they're like we need an online version um mm -hmm. But I, I guess it's kind of expanded beyond that because I know even at one point you might have been doing something like a glossary in that. So what kind of components make up the learning experience at the moment? Um, so definitely in-person training, um, 
and then online learning. However, uh, some officers, Montana is a very, very big state and it's also very rural. Um, and so that is one of the reasons they needed online training because they can't reach every part of the state with in-person training. So this training is really also replacing some of the in-person training. But um, yeah, I think that's really, I mean, that's pretty much it. I don't think there's any other part that's replacing it or additional. Uh, did you have, um, is there like a printable version or did you end up getting to a handbook sort of space? Cause I guess, even oh, like you mean oh the the handbook that they gave me? Yeah, and just like the even on the job resources, like oh. to help them embed okay. it later on, or job aids. Was there anything like that that came out of it? Yes, um, we've we've created a lot of infographics that they can hang beside their desk. Um, for example, it's not always easy to remember. It, it I mean it should be, but it's actually not always easy to remember what consent, for example, is. Um, they had difficulties with that. Um, and so that is definitely, we made that into an infographic that they can just hang by beside their desk. And so if they do get a call to go and um, interview a survivor, then they can at least glance at that. Um, but mainly they have this, um, this awesome book that I showed you, the really thick one. Um, they have that to take with them. And I, I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty difficult, but we're trying to make a couple of resources that are just easier to grasp and doesn't have to be this big book, but they actually, some of them are using the book in the field and it actually works well for them. So yeah. we're seeing how we can contribute to that. But I think sometimes when something is working well, maybe you shouldn't meddle with it. So we'll see what, what we can come up with there. Yeah, definitely. Um... Now I've just had a mind blank about something you said there. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, I just wanted to point out like this, this one part, this one training, and this is around those interviews and stuff, but like the law enforcement officer, it's not their only job. Like consent is not the only thing they need to remember. It's they could get a call about anything. So this is one tiny fraction of their job. And that's why you know, you're trying to support them to the best of their ability in this one aspect, but they have so many other priorities in their role, um, which I think is important to realize that so much effort is going into this one component of their role. And I guess that's thinking about the return on investment because it has, like you said, an such an impact on the life of the victim and then the victim or the, sorry, the survivor, the survivor and their loved ones and the people around them and the community as a whole so it's really mm -hmm. interesting to consider it from that perspective yes yes that was also something that really caught me um off guard really i mean I, I really wasn't aware of it in the beginning either but i think uh the trainer that i worked with he actually put it best as soon as you put sex in front of crime it becomes a whole different issue like police officers are trained to solve crimes every day right so somebody breaks into a house and they it will be pretty straightforward for them to figure out who broke in you know and arrest that person but as soon as you put sex into in front of that in front of crime everything becomes more difficult because now you actually um you know you now you're actually put into a situation as a police officer that you're also unfamiliar with mostly and um, then your, your your vocabulary changes too, right? You suddenly have to break out of 
fear and also of maybe just ways you were raised and have to actually use very sensitive words and you're talking to somebody who you could very easily re-traumatize and that has happened and then you're also working with your own prejudices so you know maybe a survivor was drinking at a party and then suddenly you know you're kind of confronted with your own way of thinking maybe you want to almost victim blame here but you know you can't do that anymore you're on the you're on the side automatically of the survivor that's what you have to be the survivor is the number one priority mm -hmm. and and you have to understand that as an officer and that is that has not always been the thinking and that's that has to change and the only way to change that is through training and through reforming inside the police you know and this is just one little part puzzle piece this this training is just one little puzzle piece in, in changing thinking but um it's so important it's so important it changes lives it affects the hcd really i mean i've been thinking about that today before you know we are our interview here but um i've been thinking about the, how how the hcd really is changing lives mm. um because you're not only you kind of i mean you understand the people you're trying to reach and then you're designing from their perspective and you're enriching their lives with it but not only are you enriching their lives with it but you're also enriching the lives of the people that they're working with and you're enriching the lives of the survivor you're really touching so many lives by training just one person you're touching so many lives mm -hmm. and um, if, if that person is well trained and knows how to handle a situation then everybody is going to be happier and better off in the long run. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it is incredible. And I think like mindset is a hard thing to do. You know, you're changing, or you use the word reforming, you know, how people, it's bias and things like that. That is hard. Have you had any particular activities or strategies that you have applied in your solutions? to help with that mindset shift that have been particularly effective? Yes, we have an entire course actually on trauma, on survivor trauma. And um, that is a huge part of that mind shift because if you don't understand how differently people are experiencing trauma, then you don't understand how to talk to a survivor because every survivor is going to experience trauma completely differently. It's not always going to be somebody completely melting down crying. It's also somebody who might be actually doing the exact opposite and just be laughing, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's something that you wouldn't in your brain when you actually go into a room with somebody like this, you wouldn't know how to act and you would probably be thinking, well, should I take this person seriously? But Trauma manifests itself in so many different ways and you have to understand how trauma works. You have yeah. to understand that. And um, that's what we did in that course. We kind you know, we really tried to explain to them or try to engage them in learning how to understand trauma and that it is different. And that even trauma can be historically differently. So for there are not a, a lot of Native Americans living in uh, Montana, so they have a lot of historical trauma that they are still dealing with. And so it's really important to understand this for a police officer and to, to work with that. Mm. So that, that is human-centered design, right? Which is around the empathy 
And to understand that, are you, what are you doing? Like stories, case studies? Um, yeah, what kind of things? How do you get someone to empathize with the laughing trauma person or the like meltdown trauma and all the other aspects of how trauma shows up? Yeah. Um... And that course particularly, this has been quite a while now, and we've been doing so much um, in between, but um, a couple of things that I remember is um, we had intervals of where we interrupted the training and brought, brought the learner back into the emotional state because we wanted them to be relatively emotional during this, um, and we wanted them to understand how heavy-hearted this can be. And so we would bring them back by having different voiceover talents actually speak quotes of actual survivors of how they were feeling during that time. And they were just short quotes. It's not like super long, probably like 30 seconds or a minute or something, you know, where they just talked about how they felt. And, um, and they, they, that, was, that was really effective. So the feedback for those courses was like, yeah, this is, this is I, I got, I felt that, yeah. And, um, and then in another, in another course I really liked, um, we were actually talking, so there's not only the survivor trauma, but there's also the um, vicarious trauma. So police officers and other responders through sexual assault, they also experience a lot of trauma and they take this stuff home with them. They really do suffer from that. And um, to, to engage them in how to, how to block that or how to deal with it, we engaged them in interactive breathing exercises and um, also some infographics that they could take with them and just, you know, that explains how to do like a box breathing where you breathe deeply into your belly and so on. And those exercises really help or how they, um, we gave them tips on how to take stuff home with them and to just leave it at the door before they go home. Um, there are some exercises that you can do for that. And so we actually talked to the psychologist and, you know, said, what can we do? And um, they're very, very smart people. And that, that, that's the wonderful thing as an instructional designer is, like you said, with, with the human center design, you don't have to be the expert in everything, right? You, you don't have to be because other people are. And if you talk to the right people, you will get the solution. You just, you just have to be the brains into putting it into action and kind of um, digesting it and giving it to the learner. But um, we don't have to be the experts. We're like a channel. We are. Like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I get that. I get asked that a lot when I talk to people and I tell them, you know, that I'm an um, instructional designer and and I create online learning courses. And they're like, oh my God. So you know, so, so you know about all of that stuff. So you have to know about so many things. I'm like, no, no, I don't. I know how to put it together, but I talk to experts about it. It's really weird to, you know, sometimes people just don't think, they think you know everything you're like no <laughs> you think like oh you have to be such an expert in this and that no I do not yeah I agree I agree it's trust the process the process helps you extract the information yeah. from the right people to get and our role is to convert that into something meaningful and useful for um the person that's going to use it that's right that's right that's exactly what we do mm. yeah. the um when you like, I love that the quotes that were like audio, trying to get that emotion, the feeling, 
then you said like you had infographics with the breathing exercises. How did you come up that, with the idea that let's use a voiceover for this particular thing because this is the outcome we want. We're gonna use an infographic for this. How do you decide what it's gonna turn into? Um, so we use voiceover for everything. Um, I am actually a voiceover talent trained Oh, wow. Although with my German accent, I don't do this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but um, my husband is also actually a voiceover talent. So I use him for a lot of voiceovers. And then I have a lot of voiceover friends um, who do this professionally, who make a living of that. So I use them. Um, I also use voices.com. If you ever need to find voices, you know, voices.com, for example, is a really good source to find voiceover talents. And they're cheap too. I mean, you can don't under sell them you know but you can haggle with people you know and see you know hey my body does this can you do that and um and with the exercises um i don't know i um it's a lot of times a feeling that you get and i think that's also you know i think i've always kind of found this this career my um I always kind of found this to be my calling. And I feel like when I do online training, I oftentimes have a feeling where I know this is best as an um, exercise. But I also, of course, do the mapping. So a lot of times I, you know, I take a, I take a topic and I, I think about how could this best benefit the learner. But with the breathing exercise, that was a feeling. It was just, you know, that how, how can we, you know, obviously we're talking about breathing and I was actually describing to them how to breathe. And I was like, well, we could also visualize it. So yeah, you know, but a lot of times I do use mapping to, to kind of figure out how to, how to, how to bring something across. Yeah. What do you mean by mapping? What do you like, what specifically do you do? So I, um, I think about how it could best be a value for the learner and I go through different scenarios of how this could best be for example with infographics I realize okay this is something that they actually that they, I don't need to explain in a course I need this to have I need them to have this by their desk I need them to be able to look at this right away if they need to and I don't need them to open my course first to review it so this is a printout here I create this printout for you so you have it by your desk I still explain it in the course but you know, then there's a PDF printed out and put it by your desk, for example. So those things like where, where do, when do they need it? How do they need it? And when do they need it? Right. I like it. I like it. Good questions. Oh, to ask. <laughs> <laughs> um, in terms of what are you most proud of in your own growth in the last couple of months as a practitioner and the solutions that you're creating? Um, for sticking to the process, <laughs> I um, it's so hard when you're already an existing instructional designer and you have your normal routine and it works for you and it worked for me, but to um, but to change it and to stick with it because you realize it's better, it's a little bit um, it goes against your ego a little bit. It, it's just a little bit of a pain because the joy over it is much, much bigger than the, than the little pain, but you do have to admit to yourself that you um, weren't as doing as well as you could have done. And um, then just sticking with the process. And even though it's really hard in the beginning because you have to kind of roll back and everything goes a little bit slower too. 
you have to roll back and then just look back at your at your at your material the material that I got from the online course with you and then just being able to stick with that that was I think that was the hardest part but I'm also proud of that because it really does work it really does that's cool okay what are the exact why do you think it really works because of the feedback that I'm getting, 16 reviewers for one course or five courses, and they all come back and majoritively say that it's good. I didn't have one negative review for those courses. I mean, there were only little things that needed changing. For example, words, you know, descriptions. Um, I really don't remember anything that stood out where I had to go back and redesign anything. There was no redesigning. The only real big part was the navigation, I had to change something about the navigation. And that was the biggest part and it took the most time. But once I figured that out, it was easy. So, and that's all on me. The navigation was all on me. That had nothing to do with the HCD. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess actually, cause like it's a continuous improvement process. So what will you do next time so that something, cause I know navigation can be a pain in the ass when you have to change it at the end. So what well, like will you 10 do courses too. Yeah. <laughs> what will you do next time so you don't have to change something like that? Um, so the problem with the navigation was that we did not have reviewers right from the get-go. Um, it's not, not as many. We had um, three or four reviewers but they were all so into the material already. They had been working with me so closely in developing it that they were blind to the navigation because they were already aware of what was coming. So um, I, cannot say, I cannot say enough how important it is to have reviewers who have never seen your course, who see it with very, very fresh eyes and you know, who will be blunt and say, oh my God, this is so annoying that I can't go forward or backward or something, you know? I mean, they were really blunt about it and it was like, oh, shoot, I need to really, you know, do this better. That was, that's why it was, that's why I had to go back. And so in the, in the next, the next time I will immediately have reviewers, outside reviewers. And I'm a one person show too here at my company. So I don't have even, you know, employees that I can ask to look, take a look. And even, I don't know if they would even necessarily have been able to catch it in a, in a lot of ways, because obviously also they were in the material way too much. Yeah. So fresh eyes is everything. And you don't need to have 16 reviewers, obviously that's why <laughs> we're doing it too. But we just wanted to make completely sure that the police officers were getting everything they needed, so. Yeah, um, yeah, that's cool. Um, what do you in terms of the activities that you your process? What are your particular activities that you're they're non-negotiable? You're like I have to do them because they just are so beneficial to me or to the solutions that I create. Mm, the interviews, for example, the um, the survivor interview that was a that was I mean we all knew immediately when we even started talking about it. We all knew that's how it was going to be that we had an interview that they were listening to or that they were working with in an interactivity. Um, so that was definitely clear. Um, another one was, um, oh, there was a really fun little game. Um, there wasn't like, an, I think it wasn't an introduction course. 
either in the introduction course or in the, or in the legal considerations. So we have a course that was called Legal Considerations that where, where it was. And it's, um, no, it was not, it was in a different course. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> there was an interaction where um, we took, I think there were 20 um, beliefs that people have of sexual assault. For example, oh, if she wears a short skirt, she deserves it stuff like that and we made an interaction so we broke up there was a pretty long course and we broke up the course through having this gamification once in a while where it was like myth or truth is this you know and then we gave the little scenario and then the learner had to kind of like say oh this is a myth or this is the truth and mm -hmm. I, I wish I had a way to figure out if if they're getting it right or wrong but I don't this one's going to be um they're not going to uh to do any scorn or anything. They're not going to collect the results. So unfortunately, yeah. I will never know if they knew the difference. <laughs> Hopefully they did know that that was not, that just because a woman wears short skirt, she does not deserve it, obviously. So yeah, but that was a cool interaction. It was a fun game. Yeah, nice. <laughs> what, um, what else have you been learning and adding to your toolkit recently that is benefiting you? Um, So I work mainly with, with, with this kind, I work with Adobe Captivate, mm. but I also have um, a storyline subscription. And I um, went actually on the storyline um, discussion boards and mm. I find a lot, of, a lot of help and ideas there. Um, they are much more, they're really engaged. The storyline community is a real community. Yeah. They're really amazing. And so I found a lot of inspiration there. I also remembered something from our class that we were doing with you and you and um, you and your coworker brought up some really great resources, um, Behance and something else. I can't recall, but I had never used them before. And so I've been using them a lot for inspiration. And that's what I do a lot of times when I have an, an idea in my head, then I will go and try to look for, for it online because the great thing is you do not have to reinvent the wheel. Everything has already been done before in some form or fashion. And if you have an idea in your mind, you can go on forums and there are people who are willing and loving to share and then you can take that idea and turn it into your own because you're not stealing, you're just inspiring yourself. And that's what I've been really taking advantage of a lot lately. Wow, that's mm. incredible. I'm so like, oh, inspired. Yeah. <laughs> it's cool. It's nice to, because like we get it, human-centered design in our team. We're like, why do people not do this? And then you kind of go, oh, maybe we're living in our own bubble and does it actually work but then it's so refreshing to hear you applying your process and the things that you're doing and the impact that it's having I'm like oh my god and then then it makes me go we got to make sure we do more of the things like you're reminding me of certain things and I'm like oh god we got to make sure we do that in future projects as well because sometimes you become stagnant right and you you're like oh it's similar to a different another project we've done so let's just kind of shape it that way and recycle almost but then you're like no like we need to connect with the humans like it's a different context it might be similar but it's different like let's really empathize and then the inspiration of like 
how can we solve this in the most meaningful and impactful way going out and looking for those like inspiration things as well like mm -hmm. so yeah ah this is cool. i agree and i think with the hcd um i think projects can be very similar and hopefully i will be doing a lot more of these projects in the future and i'm also a little bit worried about you know is it going to be how am i going to separate you know the courses that I'm doing with this client now from making them different so the other client doesn't feel like I'm just copying and pasting. Yeah. But I do yeah. believe that the HCD is going to help with that because you're working with a whole different new set of people. And um, although the problems might all be the same or very, very similar, especially in the field that I'm working in, the, the background behind it is going to be different and the state is going to be different and um, the people are going to be different. So I do think the HCD works in that way. It helps you develop the training and fit it to the people that you're working with and nobody else. Well, other people could probably benefit from it too. <laughs> so you couldn't, but anyway, I don't know. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, is there anything else you want to share? Um, no, I don't think so. Um, no, I'm super happy with it. I really am happy with, with what I've been doing. And, and never, I mean, maybe, um, my message to everybody will be never stop learning. I mean, even if you feel like you're settled and you're doing really well, and I, and I was feeling that, I mean, when I found you on Instagram and I saw the course you were promoting, I was immediately drawn to it because it had, I mean, how could you not be drawn to something that's as human-centered when you're working in a human-centered field or should be thinking that way, you know? Mm -hmm. So oh, keep your keep your heart open to our possibilities and it might change your life. And working with you has been definitely changing my life. I mean, you know, also working with you in regards to my business ideas. You're a very savvy businesswoman and I've been mentioning you a lot <laughs> with my friends and <laughs> family and um just the idea you gave me with the podcast i mean you didn't say start a podcast madly why don't you <laughs> <laughs> you were just like you know what you got to find a way to put yourself out there and you got to find a way to emphasize and to um include yourself in the subject area and podcast was just something that came naturally to me because I used I have a background in radio and television so that was for me immediately a natural go-to yeah. and um I hope it works I don't know <laughs> we just started so <laughs> I'm having a huge problem with promotion now I don't just don't know how to market myself it's so hard but uh yeah mm. Mm. maybe that's part two of this podcast I know right <laughs> um this has been amazing it's i i can see in yourself anyway that you are proud of like the work that you're doing and the impact that you're having and the feedback that you're getting and i do just want to also recognize you for that because we have such an important role as instructional designers and a project such as yours is very meaningful and important in the world and for it to be done right is just necessary for humanity you know so be proud of yourself it's incredible what you're doing and the stuff that you've shared today i know will inspire the people that are watching this to do things a little bit differently 
to make sure that they're getting similar results for the things that they're doing on for themselves and also for their learners. So thank you for sharing your journey and the amazing ideas and your process and inspiring other instructional designers. Yeah. Uh, I think as instructional designers, the greatest service we could do to others is to bore them to death or waste their time. And I mean, there's so much online training out there that wastes people's, people's time because people already have such a bad rep. I mean, instructional designing, e-learning courses have such a bad rep because there are so many bad ones out there. And I'm probably guilty of one or two of myself, but um, not anymore, I feel. I feel mm -hmm. I've come around and found a way to make it very valuable. Um, Incredible. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thanks everyone for watching as well. Natalie's uh, contact details and stuff and her company module will be in the description of the video, as well as the resource she said, voices.com, if you're looking for those voiceover artists. So any of the resources mentioned will be in the description. Thank you, Natalie. I really appreciate you. And I'm, yeah, uh, very, what are you, I'm inspired. I'm really inspired. And also thank you everyone for watching another episode of Learning with Belvista Studios. Peace out. What's up, awesome human? Thank you, thank you, thank you on behalf of myself and the Belvista Studios team for continuously choosing to learn with us. We really appreciate it. If the tips and the insights and the context resonate with you and you want to take your skills to the next level or you want to make your life way easier, you will love our Creator Hub. The Creator Hub is a place for people like you and us, basically, it's the stuff that we use internally at Bell Vista Studios and then we just share it publicly with you. The Creator Hub is created by instructional designers for instructional designers. And what you'll love there at the moment is we've got a quiz, Could I Be a Better Instructional Designer, that has so much tips in the feedback if you're interested in human-centered design or just taking your skills to the next level in terms of the solutions you're creating, the problems you want to solve. But in there as well, Aren't we cute? That's us. Um, but we've got the coaching courses, freebies, give us gratitude, and also we've got some templates. And basically, they're always around the lens of learning experience design, instructional design, and e-learning. So a human-centered design focus is very much what we're about at Bell Vista Studio. So putting your learners at the heart of a solution and creating something for their needs. So there's the human-centered design stuff and then we've also got the business stuff. So this is the stuff they don't teach you about when you want to become a freelancer or a consultant in the instructional design world. So go check it out. The link is in the description. You can check out everything that is available for you. Thank you for choosing to learn with us. Continuously invest in your skills. You will be rewarded as an instructional designer. Share this stuff, share it with other people because when we are better instructional designers, we create better solutions that create better humans, that create a better world. So we have a very important role and I'm excited to be on this journey with you. Have an awesome day.